Kia ora. Um, what a morning, eh? It's good. God is good. So, so good. So, uh, as you can see, I've called this Transformers Robots in Disguise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think uh, it, it's. I'm following on from what James was talking about last week about going deeper. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, is it up on line yet? Yeah, so it's on our podcast. I'd recommend it. it was re- it's really good. Um, <clears throat> and I guess um, for the, the Cliff Notes version or the Too Long Didn't Read, transformation is the product of going deeper, basically, is where I'm going. Um, so I'm just very quickly going to start with a little bit of a recap. So James spoke a lot from Psalm 1 on last Sunday, and he talked about this, right, about how um, blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked, who does not, uh, I should have opened my Bible to the right page, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it, on his Lord day and night. And after that, it starts talking about what that means for people. What's the, what's the consequence or what's the promise that comes from walking that in the way of the Lord or not walking in the way of the Lord? And so there's this invitation in Scripture to go deep with God, to, to walk in His way, to meditate on His law, to seek Him. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus talks, he says, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. So there's this invitation throughout scripture to seek the Lord, to, to go deep into him, and to, to meditate on his way. And it's, it's pretty cool, I think. And I've been thinking a bit about people and how we are made up. And there's this, I guess this idea I've had for quite some time, which I'm abandoning, the idea that, you know, we should seek God, we should seek God to seek God, but we shouldn't be seeking God for the things he can do for us. And I don't know why or where I got that idea from, but I've seen it expressed elsewhere as well. But the thing is, is that I think and this is just my speculation, so don't stone me if I'm wrong. Um, I think we are made for a reward. I actually think that in the garden, God made people to be his people, priests on the earth to represent creation in this place where in doing that, we would reap the benefit of doing that. And so I think that actually the idea that we might be rewarded for something is something about how we're made by God. But I also think that the fall has broken all of that. And so uh, we have this need, this hunger in us for something. In, in Ecclesiastes, it says that we're made with eternity in our hearts. We have this, this kind of hungering for fulfillment that only comes from a relationship with God, but we, we hunger for it elsewhere. And, and so there's this thing about going deep and that is counter to what our world would like us to do and 
I, you know, I think about um, this, this hunger for reward, this hunger for connection from God, reward from God and connection with God that we have. And I think about how we have a society that really wants us to spend all that energy elsewhere. And in a sense, the enemy and the world would like us to be going deep, but not going deep into the Lord. To give you an example of this playing out in my own life right now, I was telling James about this when we met earlier this week, uh, I like to play computer games. It's a way for me to de-stress, to kind of take my mind off the things of the world. And, and I've been, you know, my first game ever, it's a pity Malachi's not here, he'd love this, my first game that I ever got was Donkey Kong. Um, he's a big Mario fan. He didn't come dressed as Mario today, but he might one day. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. He did last week. Um, and, uh, and, and so I've been playing games all my life. And recently I felt God going, okay, Matt, maybe you spend too much time doing this. Uh, maybe it's become something that you need to put down or at least slow down. And so... <laughs> last Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember when it was, I thought, okay, I'll do that. I'm not going to do what I'd normally do and play some games. And so I ended up binge-watching a series on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's, it's so easy, so easy to get distracted. So easy. And, and I think we live, you know, they, they, there's talk when you, when you read stuff online, they talk about the attention economy that there are people who are actively, companies, who are actively trying to win our attention because our attention, our eyeballs on the screen, means money for them. It's not because it's good for us. It's because it's good for them. But God wants our attention too. And, he, um, and the, the wonderful thing about that is not only is it good him it's good for us in fact it's the best thing for us so my, my favorite scripture about transformation is in 2 corinthians so i'm just going to go through 2 corinthians chapter 3 again i could have actually put a bookmark in here and uh, yeah yeah i'm going going old old school that's that's what it is uh where are we So I'm going to go through all of chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, of our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ the result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the Spirit of God and not with tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter but of, but, but, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Uh, I'm lost at which, which one I've got up there. 
Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily into the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be ever more glorious? Amen. If the ministry that brought, that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if it was, and if it was transitory came with glory, and if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end, seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for, that, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil covers the, their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, as we sang today. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate God's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. Man, it, there's a whole lot of complex theology going on in there, and it's, it's all... But he's contrasting the time of Moses, right? Moses went up on the mountain, came back with the Ten Commandments, and his face shone with the glory of God. And the Israelites went, we can't handle it. Hide your face. And he'd go into the, he'd go into the tabernacle, and he'd take off the veil to be, with, to be in the presence of the Lord. And when he came out, he'd put it back on. But through, as he puts it, the ministry that brings righteousness, the ministry of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ongoing ministry to establish his kingdom on this, in, in all of creation, we don't have to have a veil between us and the Lord. We don't have to hide from his glory because we are made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection. We are made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection. We are completed by the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection and his ministry and his work in our lives. I don't feel like that a lot of the time. And I live in a world that competes for my attention to make me not think that, to make me not see that I, in him I am complete, in him I am holy, in him I am righteous. We live in the between, in the already and the not yet. I am already fully made complete in Christ, and I am very much not yet made complete in Christ. And so we live in this, this tension with uh, what we are being called into, right? You remember the psalm, walk in the way of the Lord, and what the world would like us to do, right? what our enemy would like us to do, to distract us, 
to take our attention and put it over here on you know, Netflix or work or some relationship or something like that. And the thing is, is because we are made for reward and that reward mechanism is broken in us in the fall, these things prey on that. The, the movie, um, what's that movie about? Um, is it the social network? Social media? I can't remember. There's the what? Yeah, social dilemma. The social dilemma. It talks about how they, they intentionally use psychology to make things like uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, addictive. And there's this great quote, I might have said this before one time, but um, this is a great quote from one of the guys who was the UX designer, user experience designer. And he says, I, <laughs> I would work on this for eight hours and then go home and spend four, four hours scrolling knowing I was addicted to the thing I'd made. <laughs> so you know, he knew exactly what it was doing and still fell for it. I, sometimes you hear people go, oh, I'm not affected by advertising. The advertising wouldn't, we wouldn't spend billions of dollars a year on advertising if it didn't work, right? So, so there's this competition for our attention. So partly I want to talk about the, the, what comes from going deeper, right? That transformation and the reward and the promise. And I, I, I just love this passage of scripture and I love what Paul, um, and you, when you read about Paul, what he's doing. And so Paul knows who he is, right? In, in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6, he says, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but competence comes from God. He has made us competent, competent, as, competent as ministers of the new gospel, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills and the spirit gives life. So there's this, he knows who he is in Christ. And at this point, he's been a follower of Jesus, I, th I think, for about 14 or 15 years, maybe longer. He spent a lot of time in Damascus uh, early on, essentially relearning everything he needed, you know, and, and, and going deep. And then he's called into this ministry to the Gentiles, and he goes out, and he knows. And if you read Acts and you read his letters, he went through all sorts of stuff. He had lots of opportunity for the world then to, and to give in to what was put in front of him, to take an easy path, to do something else. But no, he followed this because he knew he'd gone deep with the Lord. He knew who he was, he knew why he was there, and he knew what he was doing. Even if he didn't know what was happening day to day, which he says, right, he just goes where he feels things he's being led to go. So he goes deep, and his identity is transformed and then he undertakes God's mission. And in undertaking God's mission, he goes deeper and his identity is transformed. And then he undertakes God's mission and he goes deeper with God. And there's this virtuous cycle that happens. Now, um, what I just talked about before, this is my unvirtuous cycle. God is good, right? He is always communing with us. He is always there waiting for us. He's talking to us. He is 
through scripture, through his spirit, through the things that are happening in the world, he is always communing with us. But, you know, my, okay, I'll stop playing games and watch Netflix was me going, yeah, sure, you might be talking to me, but I'm looking over here. Um, and I'd like to say that's the only time that's happened, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But there's a sense in which, um, you know, and, and I want to be really clear about that, right? God is always there. He's always coming for us. Always rescuing us, always talking, always with us. We are the Jesus, part of Jesus' ministry, right? We're talking, Paul talks in here about the, the um, I'll read it again, the letter of, um, but not the letter of the Spirit, which, um, so it says, he has com- made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. One of the things that, that Jesus did is he put an end to the temple age, but it's not that the temple is gone. You are the temple. We are the temple. He has made us living stones. His presence is in us and with us all the time. If we have committed our lives to him, he is in us and with us. And he's that still, small, quiet voice. You know, you think about um, Elijah, you know, that God wasn't in the storm, he wasn't in the fire, it was the still, small, quiet voice. I think about our world, you know, God isn't in Facebook, he isn't in my computer game, he's that still, still, small, quiet voice. And so we have to attend to that. And then we have the next, the, the thing that I see happen, and I've, I've certainly done this a lot, is where we hear God talking to us and we go back and talk directly back to God, and that's good. But if that's all it ever is, then I think we also still end up getting stuck because God is building his kingdom. Jesus is building his kingdom on this earth now, through us, through his temple, through his people. And so I think that the promise comes when we talk to God. He He communes with us. We commune with the world in his spirit And that draws us back to commune with him. And we have this virtuous cycle, like Paul, right? He went deeper with God. um, His identity is transformed. He goes, does the mission, and then in that mission, communes with God more. And so I think the call on us is to really take part in that dialogue. He's talking. he's, He's wherever you are at work, at home, on the loo, right? wherever you are, God will talk to you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I I've, you know, have had moments where I've been doing my business and looking at my phone and like the word for the day has popped up and it's spoken to me. Right? And, and it's the, these, these kinds of things, he, will, he, is, he is there... And he's, he's not waiting. He's doing his work. And he's calling us into his work all the time. And he's calling us into communion with him all the time. And so we have this opportunity to be a part of that cycle. And that means, for me, 
It will mean different things for different people. For me, it means I've got to put some things down and make space in my life to respond to his communion with me so that then I can hear what it is that he's putting in front of me. But also, I think there's a... I go to work, I work a, a full week. There's the moments there also, putting the, just taking a moment. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but taking those moments to go, God, where are you in this? In the meeting, just, the, it's just you know, or, or wherever it is, at home. Wherever I am, how, how do I get into that space of just being ready and listening? And it's, it's one of those things that comes with practice. It's why you, you look back across the history of the church and there are spiritual disciplines, there are all sorts of them, right? Silence, solitude, scripture reading, service. We don't do them for... We, well, we do them because they retrain how we see the world. They help us to see the world in, in a different way. You don't go, okay, God's calling me to be more humble, I'm going to be more humble. You go, God's calling me to be more humble. How can I serve somebody? How can I humble myself to serve? And through service, learn humility. And so I think it's that, that dynamic of listening, you know, listening to God, understanding him, doing what he says. So not just stopping something and starting you know, not stopping the games and starting watching Netflix, but actually going, okay, I've made space. Now what do you want? Now what do I do with it? What am I going to do? And it doesn't have to be big or earth-shattering or anything. It can just be I'm going to, you know, play with my son or, you know, go and help someone or pray or whatever the thing is. And I think the thing is, this can kind of sound heavy, right? But the thing I love about... Yeah, get back there. This scripture, that bit at the end. Now, where the spirit of the Lord is, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He is calling us into who he knows we can be, to be free to be who we're meant to be. And the bit, right, and we all, who with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, the, to another. For me, the active person in that scripture is not me. It's God. It's Jesus. He is transforming us, which is from the Lord. So it's his promise to us. Is he, he has all sorts of things for us in our lives. He's made us to be the people. He's made us for this time. It's not an accident that you're born where you're born and that you're here where you are. He's made us for his kingdom. He's made us to be his living temple. He's made us to be his agents of his kingdom. And there's so much promise in that. There's so much uh, reward in that that he calls us into to be his people, to walk in his, and, and walk on the earth in his way, not in the ways of the wicked.
And so it's all in the presence of the Lord who is spirit and the Lord who is freedom. And it's all, it starts with him and it ends with him and what he's calling us to as we walk. And I think the, core, the, the challenge is to know ourselves more as he knows us. And it comes both through listening to him, but also doing what he's asking us to do, whatever it is. And in doing that, we know more who we are, because we know more who he's made, made us to be. I think I think that his presence is really thick in this place today. It could just be humid too, but <laughs> but no, I, he's here with us as he always is. And I think he wants to meet with us today and that he might want to invite us into things. Uh, in my case, I know he wants to invite me to put, put, put some things down. Um, and I think, as we did after the worship, I think we just should wait upon the Lord. So if we could, um, if you could put some music on, and if we just stand and wait upon the Lord, That's our cry, Lord. Come and meet us today. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Come on. 